0: Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in.
1: But we've just begun our picnic.
0: We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man.
1: All right. Welcome to our second season. This is our podcast for Week 2 Review, Week 3 Preview. We're recapping and overreacting to everything that's happened in Week 2 and previewing everything that could happen in Week 3, mostly with the worst-case scenarios. Uh, this is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm your host, Jason Randazza. With me, as always, Mark Cat Daddy, Catlin, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great.
0: Nobody's called me Cat Daddy yep. in a while. I like that.
1: Uh, was your family excited to see you? <laughs> Did they wonder where you'd
0: been? They were. Uh, they were very excited to see me again. They understood the circumstances of my being in a box. Sure. Uh, they might. Um, th-
1: sure. They listened to the podcast while you were probably on your yeah. way home. And
0: so they were. They were a little concerned about our relationship why I was in the box. But I think, think they're were, they were excited to see me.
1: I'm happy to hear that. All right. We have a number of things to talk to, so I don't want to waste too much time inquiring about your personal life. Because, frankly, who cares? Uh, but let's talk about let, – let's define some things at the top and actually just one okay. thing. And uh, this is actually something we've defined yeah. before, but the definition has changed. Which I wasn't anticipating. I thought I would learn everything, and then I would be an expert, and that would be the end of it. But the thing I want to define, because it's relevant, is red-shirting. So we talked last year about red-shirting, and it's basically um, a a means of maintaining eligibility. But there are are some new rules this year, and basically there was some news that Jalen would be redshirting in order to preserve his eligibility but yet he played in both the first and second game
0: yeah so the new redshirting rule is so redshirting is just a way to preserve eligibility as you said the old rules that we all knew but maybe didn't love where if you played one snap you lose your eligibility if that. that that counts as having played that year of football where uh redshirting so a lot of freshmen will Red shirt, so you get red shirt, freshman, red shirt, sophomore, because they're in the program for the second or third year, but they've only used one year of eligibility. If they don't play that freshman year, then they haven't used that eligibility. So, mm-hmm. but if they played one snap, they lose it. So now the rules have changed to where you can play in four games in one season and still have a red shirt year, so you don't lose your eligibility. So if you play in five games, that counts as having used one year of eligibility where this applies with Jalen and your question is okay. So most likely he's going to graduate at the end of uh, in December and then he's going to transfer. If he, if he's mm-hmm. able to redshirt, then he'll have two more years of eligibility to play elsewhere. If he is not able to register, he only has one. And so your question to, okay, so he's already played in two games. So that means he has two left, uh, that, that he can play in and still keep his eligibility. And so as far as, like, why did he play in those games, I mean, I don't know. Uh, The quarterback battle's over, Uh and Saban just seems to be using him basically like a typical backup, except he'll play seemingly some meaningful snaps. I don't know how meaningful they were because they're against Louisville and Arkansas State. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see moving forward as competition gets better as we play Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Is he going to keep using him like that, or... Should he wait until either maybe Tua gets injured down the line, and he actually needs to play uh, as a starter, or you know, should we save him and use him for like a unique package in say important games like against Auburn, or if we uh-huh. make it to that CC championship game or something like that? I I think what it, Saban's going to do is he's just going to play him like a backup, and he's going to lose his eligibility for this year, um, and. I don't I don't know why you would necessarily do that other than I think Saban doesn't want to give him special treatment. So he's on the team. He's going to treat him like a normal backup, and that's the way it's going to go down.
1: It almost seemed like what a better idea would be like is uh, teams that have uh, a good pass defense to bring Jalen out, since he seems to be, at least so far, a, a better runner. Um, but well,
0: well here's the other thing. You know, if you're saving, let's say, okay, we got this guy He might end up playing some meaningful snaps. Maybe, I mean, and so he's not concerned about losing his eligibility, about Jalen losing his eligibility. He's more concerned about the team being as good as they can be. And that being the case, it's more of, okay, maybe I want this guy to be fresh in case we do need him to play meaningful snaps. So he's not suddenly jumping in an important game and, only two has run with the ones the entire year. And so, yeah, give him some meaningful snaps with the first-team offense. And then so he's ready and prepared, and so is the rest of the team, for Jalen to play in more more meaningful snaps. So yeah, that could be some of the logic from Saban's side. But as far as Jalen's concerned, I think it's uh, uh, it's not the best scenario for him in terms of down the road. Sure. But uh, I think it might be what's best for the team. Uh, But having said that, I think moving forward, what you'll see when we play closer games and harder teams, you'll see Tua take Mm -hmm. a significant amount more snaps than he's taken so far.
1: Well, it it does introduce a a new level of strategy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I guess I'm excited to see that. All right. Uh, If you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in. You can tweet at us at processing CFB or email us processingcollegefootball at gmail dot com. All right. Let's just jump right into our week two week in review. Alright, so some of our most notable games from the week. We had number 3 ranked Georgia, a 10-point favorite, over number 24 ranked South Carolina. Georgia ended up winning this one in a convincing fashion, 41-17. Now, I believe Georgia jumped up to a 14-point lead right at the beginning of the game, and we thought that was it. South Carolina came back. Uh, got a touchdown, and they and they appeared to be threatening for a while, uh, but Georgia pulled away, and South Carolina didn't really have a whole lot to say about it. So, as far as I don't know, seeing any sort of real competition in the the SEC East, I'm I'm not sure it's going to get much much tougher than this. So, uh, Georgia will probably just march into the, the SEC title game. Yeah, I mean,
0: this was Georgia's toughest test in the SEC East by far uh, especially given certain other certain things that happened over the weekend but uh, yeah I mean this Georgia is still Georgia, South Carolina is still South Carolina Um, it would be it would be shocking to see anybody else come out of the East uh, or even challenge Georgia uh, to come out of the East
1: I don't don't know we have a newly ascended Kentucky
0: (laughs) watch out you know they, they uh, <laughs> watch out for the Wildcats. They're on the prowl. Uh, that's that's. There's just no way that's going to happen. All right,
1: moving on. Let's talk about number 17 Stanford going against number 10 ranked USC. Stanford, your favorite to win the Pac-12 yeah. was a, about a four point favorite at the time of kickoff. They ended up winning this, 17 to three. Uh, this was a slow game. Yeah. I, I think San- Stanford did pretty well. USC never really uh, appeared to have control of the game. Although they did manage to contain Bryce Love. So Bryce Love through two games. The first game against San, Dege- San Diego State. He ran 29 yards on 18 carries. And in this one... Uh, He ran 136 yards on 22 carries, which is decent, but it's significantly less production per attempt than uh, in a lot of his games uh, last year. And I'm wondering if there's kind of this, what I'm going to call a, a Leonard Fournette effect, maybe, where basically people are just stacking the box, anticipating that he will be their primary method of making things happen. And they're able to kind of uh, hold their own against uh, Stanford by doing that. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think that's right. They're going to stack the uh, box against Bryce Love to to slow him down. But, you know, that's just going to open up stuff for the passing game, uh, hopefully. And I think their quarterback is a little bit more experienced and uh, should be able to take advantage of that down the road. But it it was really a slow game. I mean, USC only scored three points. (laughs) it doesn't get much slower than that especially for this high profile of a matchup and so i mean in many ways it was disappointing neither stanford nor usc looked very good but yeah i mean the cardinal came out on top and i I mean i do have stanford winning the pac-12 but i mainly had him winning the pac-12 because of bryce love who hasn't looked great but you know if he's everybody's paying attention to him and they're able to win in other ways and it's still that bryce love effect but yeah i mean i don't know the pac-12 looks pretty interesting I don't know if Stanford playing like that will be able to take out Washington, but, yeah, I mean, Stanford still looks like one of the, at least one of the best teams in the Pac-12, and USC, wow. I mean, I, I don't know where they kind of go from here.
1: Well, I'll tell you where they went in the rankings. They fell from 10th to 22nd, yeah. so I think everybody else is wondering if maybe they need to work a little harder to, to pre- prove their merit Anyway, let's continue. We got Penn State, ranked number 13, going into their game against Pitt. Eight-point favorite here. They played in Pittsburgh, and they won 51-6. to six. Now, last year, after Pitt had pulled off upset wins against Penn State and, I believe, Miami, I kind of wondered aloud uh, in one of our podcasts what it must be like to be a pit fan who isn't really playing for anything except just playing the spoiler. And I suppose this is the other side of that coin. Uh, when when you're not acting as the spoiler, um, you're just getting decimated. And one of the funny things about this game actually is, I, I mean, I didn't watch much of it, but what's a Coach? James Franklin, yep. right? Uh, so, so they're up 51 to six and I believe there was a fumble and this is like right at the end of the game there's like a minute or two left and the coach decides to challenge the call like what's the point so <laughs> congratulations to Penn State uh, I'm not sure what to make of them they they beat Pittsburgh by uh, 45 points and App State they they struggle against and win in overtime so uh, who knows what we'll get Week to week with them, but congratulations on this one. Did you watch any of this? Game? I
0: didn't. I mean, I actually I, I no saw point. the end of it. Uh, kind of like you were talking about, Franklin was not happy about it. But um, yeah, I think uh, Penn State still doesn't look great to me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like they blew him out of the water from the from the first snap, first snap. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Penn State looks to me like an average team uh, in in a pretty stacked Big Ten. I don't. I don't know. that. Right now, they don't look like they have a chance to come out of it. And, yeah, I mean, being a Pitt fan, yeah, this is the other side of the coin. You get blown out all the time. But they'll beat somebody this year. They're not supposed to. And that (laughs) night in Pittsburgh, it's going to be a celebration.
1: All right. Then we have Clemson, number two ranked, going against Texas A and M. Uh, they were expected to be almost... Uh, they, they were almost a two-touchdown favorite going into this. Final score here, 28-26. to 26. Texas A&M played them very closely. Uh, I think the some of the stories coming out of this game is Kellen Mond, Texas A&M's quarterback, is kind of the real deal. Uh, you and I were texting back and forth, and I sort of remarked that he's the sort of quarterback that I worry about when they go to play Alabama in a couple weeks. Uh, He was really effective through the air, and I don't know that anybody expected that considering Clemson basically returned so much on defense and and we expected them to to really dominate in this game. Um, So I don't know that it's what caused their loss. Uh, Texas A&M was down by... Uh, eight points late in the game and they had the ball and they're running running it <clears throat> and a player, I don't r- recall who it was exactly, leaps for the end zone uh, as, as he's running the ball and he fumbles it and it fumbles through the end zone. Now, I don't recall ever seeing this play but apparently what happens when you fumble through the end zone is it's a touchback and the other team gets it automatically at the the 20-yard line. Which seems crazy, because it seems like, I don't know, Texas A&M should have had an opportunity to recover it, and if it goes through the end zone and then out of bounds, then it just seems like the other team shouldn't automatically get it. But uh, I guess this is a controversial rule um, from what I've read, Uh, and it, it could have changed the game a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting rule. It could have changed the game, but they still came back and scored the touchdown and then did not convert on the two-point mm-hmm. conversion. Um, but, you know, I, I, it potentially changed the outcome of the game because Texas A&M toward the end there was just unstoppable on offense. Clemson could not, could not mm-hmm. stop them. So maybe they have an extra touchdown, maybe they win. Um but yeah, the the rule on that it, it is a strange rule. It's hard to think through logically why that's the case. Like, why is that necessary? Um, it seems mm-hmm. um, like unnecessarily punitive to the to the offensive team. You get near the goal line, you have to right. fumble it. Can you get it? Can you get it on the twenty? You know. Um, but uh, you know, I think the interesting thing about that is because that rule is there though, and this guy's running, he's got a first down. He doesn't need to reach for the for the end zone. It's not like it's not the last right. play of the game. It's not fourth down. If if you don't score, you have a fresh set of downs and plenty of time. And so it's kind of a. It, I mean, as a player, you want to make that play. You want to get in the end zone, but you also want to do what's best for your team. And you see this, uh, you know, a lot when the, in this situation. Or somebody reaches out for the pylon going out of bounds and they, they may not even get hit. They just lose the ball out of their hand. It goes out of bounds to the end zone and the other team gets it. So, I mean, if he just holds on to the ball instead of reaching out, just tucks it in, lands on the ground, he lands on the two, three yard line, then you're first and goal from the two or three. You know, it's not that situation. Uh-huh. So, it is a silly rule, but also players know this is the case. And so you got to play accordingly. Uh, Yeah, I I think the big story coming out is Kellen Mond. uh, You know, Clemson's defensive line, they were pretty dominant, uh, but Kellen Mond was mobile in the pocket. So he he was sacked several times, but he also got away from pressure several times. It it is the kind of quarterback that uh, typically when Alabama has lost, we lose to quarterbacks like this. Um, But I'm still Mm -hmm. not that concerned. Uh, I think part of the reason I'm not concerned is because our offense is going to be that good. Um, sure, But also, I mean, yeah, Clemson got lit up in the secondary. That was wild. Um, just, I mean, there were, especially again toward the end, just Texas A&M wide receivers just wide open. Like, it's not like Kellerman was putting it in a tight window where only his guy could get it. It was like this guy's just kind of running free. Um, so, I it, yeah, Clemson's secondary, you know, maybe relying a little bit too much on that defensive line returning, but, Texas Am and looks a lot better than I thought they would for sure. Clemson maybe looked a, a little bit less. I think the other story is, um, is Clemson going to settle on a quarterback? Everybody's talking about Alabama yeah. to uh, Jalen, but Clemson's got to settle on a quarterback. They have a true freshman that's come in. Um, but when it, what, Right, so they have,
1: is it, Kelly Bryant's a senior this yeah. year, right? Yeah, I think he's a senior. A senior. Okay, okay. Yeah. so Kelly Bryant's a senior, um, and they have, yeah, a, tr- a true freshman quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who played most of this game, he played I think. a lot
0: of it, yeah. But when it was time to win the game, uh, uh, they had Kelly Bryant on the field, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, there's a decision to be made, because the other thing is, you're changing out quarterbacks, and you're putting a freshman on the road against Texas A&M. I mean, they're not the best team in the country, but they're also not the worst. They're a pretty good team. And, I mean, I uh, one of the things I love about watching Texas A M games at A&M at night is the atmosphere is unbelievable. Um, and so you have that home field advantage, you have the 12th man, you have all those things, the crowd's into it, they're swaying back and forth. It's a tough place to play. And so, I, I mean, this might be Clemson's hardest game, actually, in the regular season. But, um, yeah, I, I, they're going to have to figure out a quarterback moving forward. Um, because if they're... Barely winning at Texas AM with some pretty um, serious opportunities to lose that game. I think they need to settle on a quarterback moving forward.
1: Agreed. All right. Let's move on. We had Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa, three and a half point favorite <laughs> this game. 13 to three. Yeah. Set
0: home field advantage, man. I'm uh, telling you.
1: And I think that it really only got up this high because of a late touchdown. I did not watch this game, but...
0: There's um, nothing to say about this game. Home home field advantage, that's all there is to say. All
1: right. All right. Then those are all the games that we actually previewed, but we have a couple others that I just want to mention. We had number 15 ranked Michigan State going against Arizona State. Arizona State wins this one in the desert, 16-13. to 13. This is really... This has to be really sad for Michigan State, who last week we talked about doing terribly against Utah State, and now they have this showing losing to Arizona State, who was not ranked prior to playing this game and is subsequently ranked after winning it for the first time I think Arizona State uh, is ranked in I mean certainly the playoff era maybe going back over a decade so um, good for them I was really ready to uh, dismiss Michigan State in this one but you you had some thoughts about uh, what could have been at play yeah so So if you want to create some excuses for them I'm I'm happy to (laughs) listen to them
0: well I mean I was we were I have a text thread chain i don't know what you call those things um with a couple guys one of whom is a michigan state fan he went to michigan state and so we were talking and another guy said hey this could be a tough game and uh, he would be impressed if michigan state won because it's a uh, it's a late kick so ten forty five eastern time sure. and at kickoff for them it was 100 degrees on the field and so uh, as the game went on, and Michigan State had the lead, and then, I mean, it really did seem like toward the end they just kind of almost literally wilted uh, in that weather and it being that late. And so I wasn't real sure what to tell my friend. I just waited for him to text whatever he was going to text who is the Michigan State fan. But basically he just said, yeah, the weather may have had an effect, I hope. So it's a home-and-home home series, and so he just said, I hope when it, mm-hmm. Arizona State comes to our place next year, it's like 42 degrees and rainy, and we'll see it. we'll see how they handle the weather, and so you know I think that sure. would only be fair. So I've already put it in an order for that weather. See what happens, but um, you know, still at the end of the day, it's football, and you got to show up and play the game. Michigan State did show up yeah. and play very well. It's a game they should have won, I think. Uh, still, under, I mean, under some you know interesting circumstances, but if you're gonna be vying for championships. Uh, these, these are the sort of games that you, you got to win. you got to find a way to win it. They couldn't do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you antagonize him when he complained about the weather there by saying, yeah, but it's a dry game? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no, but maybe I should have. Has, has
1: he listened to our podcast before? Because we actually talked about how Michigan State does better in the rain. I mean, yeah. oh, they yeah. rallied the oh, slanting yeah. sea. Yeah. <laughs> If you remember, <laughs> in the East Lansing, that it was the, slanting, the sea. slanting
0: sea. You know, he does listen to our podcast. Um, okay. So. It could It could become, it a, could thing. become a thing. Hashtag slanting, Hashtag slanting sea. Oh. It's actually going to be all the rage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, let's move on. UAB played at Coastal Carolina. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say. UAB was a 10 point favorite, and they lost. So this was at wherever coastal Carolina is, I don't know, on the coast of <laughs> Carolina. So uh, if you're out there, guys, stay safe. Uh, evacuate if, you're, yes. if, if if it's necessary. But uh, congratulations on the win. I was, I was sad that, that UAB lost this. Um, but what can you say? All right, next we had Alabama, number one ranked Alabama, going against uh, Arkansas State of the Sun Belt. Um, I think you mean number you one any, in the Sun any? Belt,
0: Arkansas State. This are
1: they, were they I number mean, one? No, they were probably tied for it. I think they won their first <laughs> game. But well, I mean, they're one really of the better fair, teams in the Sun belt, my point. They are one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. I do not think they played in the championship last year, but I think they were just on the outside. Um, so it, I, I thought that I, I don't even have the score here. What was it? F- Fifty-one 50, seven. One seven. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, Tua continues to look uh, really dominant. Um, so, I, I pulled this quote off of uh, a sports website. I think it was Bill Conley who, who wrote it. So, here's what he said. He said, Through two games, quarterback Tua tango is completing 71% of his passes, averaging 18.2 yards per completion... Uh, with a quarterback rating of twenty three or two hundred thirty seven point two, I don't really know what a QB rating is, but we can talk about it later. Sounds pretty um, high. He had six touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, it does sound pretty high. He had six touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, so I, I don't know. He he's he, he's crushing it. He's doing really well, and I do wonder when we get to stiffer competition. Uh, if the, the pressure will get to him, if he's likely to throw interceptions. But right now, um, he's, he's just a
0: force. Well, I mean, here's, so the numbers are good, and look, Tua is good. But there were a couple of bad throws, one of which should have been an interception. Um, I mean, it mm-hmm. hit the Arkansas State guy right in the hands in stride, and he just dropped it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but, but the numbers are crazy. And I, it's a combination of Tua is very good in the passing game, I mean, the way that he's able to look off safeties and the way that he understands what the defense is doing and how the offensive play plays into that defense and where the holes are going to be, he's just he's so cool, calm, and collected because he just knows what's happening. Um, and mm-hmm. when you combine that with not one dominant receiver, not, not just a Calvin Ridley, not just an Amari Cooper, not just a Julio Jones... But several really good wide receivers. That that yeah. trio of sophomore wide receivers. The speed that they have. The now we have a new, you know this young freshman wide receiver and Jalen Waddle. Uh, and then Tua yeah. can also get it to our tight ends more. I mean, <laughs> our our passing offense is better than it's been in a very long time. Um, and so that's going to continue to happen. Uh, you know the the percentages and the numbers are going to go down slightly. Uh, you know, I think yards mm-hmm. per game will go up because he's going to be in there more when we face different competition, but maybe the percentages go down. But uh, because he understands defenses so well, it, I think he's going to continue to put up big numbers against good defenses. I think he will also mm-hmm. throw one or two interceptions in some of those games. But they're mm-hmm. not going to be as devastating because he's going to come back and score touchdowns. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think Tua looks good. Um but it'll, it will be interesting to see. Like Ole Miss will be a, a good uh, – it will be a decent test, you know, not their defense necessarily. Um, but just being on the road at Ole Miss, you know, um, can be a tough place to play as we've shown recently. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, Tua looks amazing. Uh yeah. Yeah, at least against weaker competition. We'll see what happens against better competition. But I mean, the other thing for me, the, the takeaway for Alabama, is not necessarily in the game. It's more so you want to talk about, uh, kind of historic level dominance for Alabama. One's kind of long-term, um, uh-huh. over the course of the history of football, they've been now been number one in the AP poll for 106 separate weeks. That's now number one, uh, the most ever of any program, uh, surpassing Ohio State. Who's got who's has one oh five. Uh but interestingly right now, I mean, so Ohio State's number two in that. Oklahoma's number three. Notre Dame's number four. I mean it's the who's who of college football. Kind of the blue blood sure. programs. But right now Ohio State and Oklahoma are right up there. Um and yep. so it'll be interesting, I mean, by by the end of the end of the next few years it'll be interesting to see who's ranked number one Uh, More, But for now, it seems like Alabama's going to add to that. So that's that's pretty significant. Um, And then the second thing, as far as records go, is Alabama's won 75 consecutive games against unranked opponents, and that's the most all-time consecutive wins against unranked opponents. And the thing about Alabama's dominance right now is it's not just winning the big games, so having five national championships in nine years, but it's also winning the games you're supposed to win, right? So... Uh, You know, you could look at even last year, think about how Auburn did. So they beat Georgia and Alabama. They beat two number one ranked teams back to back. But the reason they weren't in, uh, ended up, didn't end up in the playoffs is at the end of the day, they lost to LSU. You know, and so that's the game you're supposed to win. Uh, And so the reason Alabama's been able to be so dominant over the past decade is they don't lose to unranked teams. They don't lose the games they're supposed to win um, and not everybody can say that you know the, it's the upsets that get people and knock them out of the playoff race and Alabama's always in there because if you're going to beat Alabama you better be really good you're going to be a ranked team and if you're not a ranked team then Alabama's most likely just going to crush you um, and so that's a pretty astonishing stat and I think one of the biggest symbols of business biggest ways that you can measure Alabama's dominance over the dec- over the past decade is 75 consecutive wins against unranked opponents.
1: You know what, I actually think that that's a nice way to segue into our next segment, which is overreacting. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready to overact. <laughs> okay, before we get started, let me just say that with our podcast returning last week, I consistently heard two things from people. It's like, The first was, oh, hey, you have a new podcast posted. And I was like, yeah. And the second thing was, what's up with your top four? So I I caught a lot of (laughs) flack for that.
0: As well you should have.
1: Especially especially after, like, most of those people had uh, the the insight that was given with the Arkansas State game afterwards. So... um, We only had one game to overreact to, and now we have two, and it it seems so much clearer that they're clearly going to be the best team again, which I I know we have fans of other teams out there, and I I apologize to them, even though I'm not really sorry. All right. (laughs) Uh, So here's something I do want to overreact to, because we're two games in, and we are really at the point where we can pretend we have enormous amounts of insight. So I'm going to go through a list of coaches who were newly hired, um, and we want to do booms and busts, but uh, I'm going to go through them, and I want you to tell me whether or not it's time to fire them or if we should uh, keep them on for another couple weeks.
0: Got it. I'm ready.
1: All right. All right, the first one is Willie Taggart. Fire. He's a bust. Right. It, 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 it's, he's a, look. He's a
0: bust. Yeah, I it, it I that that's almost an overreaction. It almost feels like it's not an overreaction though. I mean, you lose, uh-huh. then you get dominated by Virginia Tech at home, and then you almost lose. Like you legitimately could have lost to my alma mater, the Sanford Bulldogs. That
1: Sanford Bulldogs. I and I honestly think that they stood a chance, but I think they turned it over something like five or six times. Yeah, it. So the final score of that game was 36-26, to 26, I think, or 36 But it to was much closer than and that. And Samford was, was leading through, I think, the first
0: three quarters. Well, they were, they were leading with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter, I'm fairly certain. Oh my yeah, no, it was – and the only reason – so Florida State scored a touchdown to go up later in the fourth quarter and then they returned to pick six, um, kind of Samford's attempt to come back. So that's the only reason it was ten points. I mean, Sanford was driving to win the game at the end.
1: Can we actually do a quick conspiracy theory?
0: <laughs> sure.
1: FSU's last two coaches both went to Sanford, didn't they?
0: Oh, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, Jimbo Fisher did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really? Did, did we? I, th- go I to think Sanford?
1: No, 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 no. Bobby Bowden
0: oh, did. Bowden. Uh, I know he coached at Sanford.
1: Okay, well, they both have Sanford ties. Suffice it to say that maybe they were, like, sharing the playbook with Sanford.
0: (laughs) Probably. I think that's a a solid point.
1: I mean, Jimbo Fisher has incentive to have his alma mater beat FSU and also to have his uh, his successor look really bad. So, uh, I mean, the fingerprints are all over Uh, it.
0: I think you're probably right. The NCAA needs to look into this. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's right. All right, speaking of Jimbo Fisher, all right, he's a new coaching hire. Boom or bust, uh, fire or keep uh, around? You got
0: to keep him around. I mean.
1: I think you do. I mean, after last week, maybe not, but this week, sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, playing Clemson like that, uh, that closely at home with a chance to win, that's that's really good, especially when you look at where he just left that we just talked about. Uh, not looking the best. And later we'll get to the guy who just left and what he looks like at his new place the guy just left Texan m yikes so uh, jimbo fisher looks looks golden and so when you look at especially when you not only look at what he's done there but you look at what's happened where he was and then the guy who left x and and where he is you're like yeah let's double down on jimbo fisher which would be hard to do since they're already paying him eight a lot of money
1: guaranteed All right. Actually, let's just go ahead and talk about Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin went over to Arizona. He is now 0-2 on the season, I believe. And got
0: destroyed by Houston. Look, it's just, I mean, again, this is overreaction. You fire the guy. You just get rid of him. Just scrap when we get, and get. I mean, he came in to a program that had a potential, like everybody thought this guy was going to be in the running for the Heisman. That's Khalil Tate. And uh, at one point they were down 31, 30, 31 to nothing. It's like, Uh you know, I mean, Khalil Tate um, apparently got injured and Kevin Sumlin said that really shut down a lot of what they could do. But, uh, Coach, you're supposed to be prepared for such things. You should score points, especially when you're supposed Uh to be an offensive genius. So it's been a rough go uh, in Arizona, and Uh he doesn't look great. So fire him. All right. Fire him. All right. (laughs) How about Dan
1: Mullen? Look. Coaching at Florida, uh, recent loss against Kentucky, ending a 31-win yeah. streak. Kentucky beats Florida, and uh, uh, frankly, if if you watch this game or if you didn't watch this game, just imagine Yackety Sacks playing <laughs> and 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 uh, Kentucky tackles the quarterback and he drops the ball and it's unclear uh, upon first viewing if it's a fumble or if it's just uh an incompletion um a Kentucky player picks it up and runs it a little ways but then he thinks oh no it's dead but the refs you know kind of look at him and they're like we didn't blow the whistle and meanwhile the coach is on the sideline telling him run it run it run it and he runs it into the end zone and they get another six points not that that was the deciding factor. Florida was going to lose this game anyway, but it just figures that um, this is how they they lose that, that long-running streak. Jason. So, Dan I, I,
0: I think I may have texted you. This is the most surprising thing to me, but mm-hmm. if you can't beat Georgia at Florida, that's one thing, right? And a coach could get fired for losing to Georgia a couple years in a row. You cannot, as a head coach, come into Florida – and lose to Kentucky at all ever. Thirty-one years. It's been thirty-one years since they lost to Kentucky, and Dan Mullen finds a way to get uh, not just lose, but lose pretty badly. That you gotta. Yeah. That's a bust. If I'm overreacting, you fire the guy. Which is just yeah. shocking. It, it's the whole thing was just shocking.
1: All right, Dan, you're on the hot seat. Let's talk Scott Frost. Goes over to Nebraska in his debut game because the uh, week one game was postponed or canceled or whatever. He loses. Uh, who were they playing again?
0: Uh, Colorado, I think.
1: That's right. They were playing Colorado. And they lost. So he's 0-1. Uh, what
0: yeah, do you think? Uh, you got to fire the guy. Because he went from being undefeated to now winless undefeated. in his first two games. Two scheduled games. I mean, I, I don't know how they got it. I it. Mean, what? How, how do you possibly do that? He was Nebraska's darling, and now uh, he should be fired. Ob- obviously, All that's right. an overreaction.
1: Uh, I'm going to call their board of trustees or whoever makes those decisions <laughs> and let them know what we've decided. Let's talk Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, he was uh, kind of a Pac-12 legend, comes back to coach at UCLA. He is 0-2. Yeah, you gotta
0: fire the guy. Look, Chip Kelly should have never left Oregon. He he left Oregon, mm-hmm. so he goes and coaches in the NFL, and he's not coaching for a little while, and now he's back in college. It's, it's I, I, you need to fire the guy because he's 0-2, but also I think the game, defenses have caught up to the offense that he did. Now, maybe he's able to recruit and get players or whatever, but he's not going to be what he was at Oregon. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And so if you hired him so that he could be what he was at Oregon and make UCLA the power that Oregon was when he was there, you should fire him and get somebody else because he's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. How about Joe Moorhead? He's, he's great. Keep him. Keep him. Chad Morris? Uh, You know, I – the note says two and zero. Oh. I think he's one and one. He lost. I he think lost one Colorado and State. One. Uh, so, yeah. is that the only loss for the SEC West at this point?
1: Um, you know what? It might I be. So you fire him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's an embarrassment to the league.
1: <laughs> no wait, sorry, SEC West. Uh, Texas A&M uh, why is that count. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> It doesn't count. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, 1-1 one and one at
0: Tennessee. Ah, you keep him. He'll be fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, he, uh, I, I don't know how much more I can insult Butch Jones. He's gone. <laughs> he, um, no, he's
0: he's around at Alabama. I don't know if you saw. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's true. With the Tide training days, but uh, he was there in the corner a couple times as a analyst or something. I think he gets the I think he gets the coach's water. <laughs>
1: uh, he, he's there as a cautionary tale, true All right, let's talk Herm Edwards. 2 and 0 at Arizona State. Sun I Devils. think you
0: know like keep him, you have to renew his contract and add four more years and 10 million dollars per year. The guy's 2 and 0.
1: I think yeah, I think he said he's running the team like a CEO or something, NFL, yeah, I don't CEO, know. CEO, so pay him
0: like the CEO of a major corporation.
1: Whatever he's doing, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Herman Edwards. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't coach college for something like thirty so, years and he comes back and he's two and He's two 0 yeah. and
0: we gave this guy <laughs> so much crap at the end of last year. Er, with Arizona State Home. We absolutely went off on Arizona State her <laughs> and here he is. Maybe at this point the best new coach in college football which is just yeah. through he, two games.
1: He has yes. he has Arizona State ranked as I said for the first time in certainly recent mean, memory. Meanwhile, so. Dan
0: Mullen has lost to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's, it's I don't know I actually
1: reviewed I actually reviewed a, a list of all of the... Like, after the coaching carousel stopped turning last year, there was a list of coaching hires by grade. So there was, like, A+, plus, you know, A-, minus, yeah. all the way down. Dan Mullen was, like, an A, a solid yeah. A. Herm Edwards was a D-, yeah. minus. he was at the very bottom. Ah, my, how the world can, <laughs> yes. can, can change. All That's right. Amazing. Next thing I want to overreact to... Um, Miami played this weekend. Did. did you see that?
0: Uh, I mean, if the question is, is the U back, uh, I don't see how they're yeah, not. That That is the I question. I don't see how they're not back. They, they scored 77 points, Jason, against the mighty Savannah State, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they are back with a vengeance. Yeah.
1: All right. Get get that turnover chain out. <laughs> they actually changed him. I don't know uh, it's so nerdy I'm so sick of the turnover stuff wait did we talk right. about
0: Florida state's turnover thing
1: oh f- uh, everyone just do yourself a favor and google Florida state's turnover backpack Jason as I as I told mark it's just indicative of the entire program it is it is really sad Jason
0: I, you you t- I have not seen the backpack you texted me about it and I was like, surely that's Jason being funny. Because it was funny. And then I looked at it and there was a picture of a player <laughs> with a backpack on. I was like, what? That, that's real. It looks like a Kate Spade bag. That's real life. They have a turnover yeah. backpack or whatever they call it. Yikes. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of Florida State, the state of Florida.
1: Yeah. All right. So, let's talk the state of Florida. Okay. Okay. So I have been hearing for a long time that um, global warming is coming and that uh, what's going to happen, basically, is sea levels will rise and the entire state of Florida will sink. What I wasn't told was that the sinking would start with basically all of the Power 5 Florida teams. Um, So currently through week two... Florida, ha- The state of Florida has won one out of four games against Power 5 teams. The one win came from a group of five team, uh, USF, against Georgia Tech. Um, Miami FSU and the University of Florida have not won any of their games against Power 5 opponents. I don't know what to make
0: of this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't, I think I don't know. people generally thought the state of Florida was trending upward in football. It is clearly not because uh,
1: they—they're supposed to be this recruiting hotbed. Well, well here, right? here's the so thing: they already have a natural. So advantage. Miami
0: lost to LSU, Florida State to Virginia Tech, and Florida Kentucky, and none of those games were really close. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, that's just—it's so—it's pretty bad. Um. So, yeah, I mean, and it is a recruiting hotbed. I mean, some of the best players in the country come out of the state of Florida. It's all right there. And, yeah, I don't – it's a. It's definitely a strange beginning to the year for the state of Florida. And you can't really – well, it can't get much worse for Florida State and Florida, but it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's going to get that much better.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. That's all I have to overreact to. Frankly, I'm exhausted. But let's talk a few Week 3 games. It's gonna be a whole day of team
0: sports and beer! Get the old heart rate up! Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun, throw some butter on it! You're gonna love it!
1: We have a a few exciting things coming up. I'm just gonna go through six of them right here. And just tell me kind of who you think's gonna, gonna win. Or, or beat the spread or cover. All right. So we have number 17-ranked Boise State going against number 24-ranked Oklahoma State, who is a field goal favorite. You can catch this game 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. I would love to see Boise State win this game outright. Uh, so I'm going to go with Boise State. Either.
0: I'm going to go Boise, too. Uh all I right. think they. I think they win, uh, and I think they. I'm gonna go. They win by two field goals.
1: Sounds great. Let's talk LSU Auburn. This is number twelve ranked LSU going against number seven ranked Auburn. Auburn is favored by nine and a half points. This is another three thirty game. It is on CBS. I think Auburn wins this. I know we talked about how uh, Ed. Uh, Orgeron is the greatest coach of all time. But that was last, <laughs> was week, last week. and this is a That, was, that was an overreaction
0: from last week. Now we're coming back to <laughs> it.
1: Right. Right. We're a little bit back to reality. Plus, he heard the podcast last week. He was like, well, maybe I will be a commentator for UAB. So he's a little conflicted. His mind's not in the game. Auburn wins this. I don't know. 31-20. to 20.
0: Yeah, uh, LSU, uh, theres there's been an overreaction. LSU should not be ranked 12. There's been an overreaction to the win against Miami. I don't think Miami's going to end up being that good. Uh, Auburn, on the other hand, is a very good team. It's at Auburn. Uh, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the best home field advantages in the country, I believe, at Auburn. It's a great atmosphere. They'll be up for LSU. Uh, I think they win
1: 31-14. All right. We have Ohio State, number 4 ranked, going against number 15 ranked, TCU. This is probably Ohio State's stiffest competition all year, and yet they are still 12.5 point favorites. This is an 8 p.m. game you can catch it on ABC. Uh, again, uh, 12.5 is a lot of points. Uh, I think Ohio State will be pretty good. So this is this is the last game that... Urban Meyer is not allowed to be on the sidelines for. However, he's with them all week. He's with them through all their so practices. So, so stupid. But uh, so I, I think Ohio State wins this one, and I, uh, I think it's by a lot. I'm, I'm even going to say something like, th- let's say, 38-14.
0: Yeah, I would really like to be able to pick the Horn Frogs, um, but I, I really think Ohio State is just very good. Um, and so I'm going to Ohio State, and I think they cover.
1: All right. Number one-ranked Alabama is playing Ole Miss, 7 p.m. on ESPN. They are three touchdown favorites here. Ole Miss is the SEC opponent that, aside from Auburn, we've had the most trouble with in, in recent memory. Last year beat them pretty convincingly, but the, the three years prior to that, uh Were painful by pretty f- convincingly um,
0: sixty six to three was it?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh So, I I don't want to remove the excitement from this game, Mark, because you know we're we're supporting the industry. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have to pretend that every That's game right. it is, is competitive. It is. You're right. <laughs> so, even though the Vegas thinks three touchdowns, sure, yeah. Alabama can do that. Yeah, I think. I'm I don't know. Ole Miss has a new coach, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was such a turn. Yeah, uh, no. I, Alabama's gonna win this game. They're gonna cover. Um, I think you'll see two in this game for longer. Uh, uh-huh. At least uh, I hope. Hope we start getting to a groove with two and leave him in there for a while. Um, I think Alabama wins something like fifty-one to seventeen. Okay. I mean, Alabama's just going to score a lot of points if Tua's in there. I,
1: I, I it's agree. Insane. I think they cover. It's just nuts. They are playing uh, in the Grove yeah. at Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know if that changes anything. Plus, they have a new mascot as well, the Land Shark. <laughs> have you seen it? It's really creepy. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, Ole, Miss is, Ole Miss is struggling with the whole thing. They're like the Olmus Rebels with black bears and land sharks. I don't, I don't even know.
1: I like the land shark as a, a mascot, but their their actual mascot costume is uh, it's unholy, I mean, uh,
0: Alabama Crimson Tide with elephants is difficult. Makes all the sense in the world. Re- <laughs> Ole Miss Rebels with black bears and land sharks? <laughs>
1: I think they got rid of the Rebels uh, as, yeah, a, as a title, yeah. though. I think they were just the old Miss Landsharks.
0: That's even more confusing because I don't... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> they're going to lose. Right. Who uh, cares who they are?
1: <laughs> they're going to lose. All right. Next, I'll talk quickly about the UAB game. Tulane is coming to Birmingham to play at Legion Field. They are favored by four points. This is a 1 p.m. game. And you can catch it on Facebook. I don't even know how that works, but I guess I'll be trying to figure it out. Facebook's
0: been doing this, around. they're trying to televise games. So I think they've done a few baseball games, things like that, like Major League Baseball games. Um, So I don't know. Maybe they're trying to do, like, take a Facebook television, like YouTube TV or something like that. I mean, of course, the Blazers... Uh, I'll
1: try to figure it out at 1 p.m. on on Saturday, I reckon. All right, uh, Blazers by infinity. Um, They will never stop scoring. So, it's at Legion Field. They haven't lost a game at Legion Field since 2014. So, Tulane's got an uphill battle, suffice it to say. All right, next we have uh, 22-ranked USC against Texas. I only mention this game, really, because... Uh, the two thousand six Rose Bowl was a classic, but I don't know if this will be. This is kind of a low stakes no, affair. Is. Texas isn't good. USC might not be good. I still I think USC wins this. Texas has the line by three.
0: Yeah, I think um, Texas but, is favored just because they're at home. Um, but mm-hmm. I think I think USC wins. And uh, I mean that game, the two thousand six Rose Bowl. Is one of the greatest games of all time. The '93 Sugar Bowl, at the end of the '92-'93 season, Alabama against Miami. Still, there's just no way there's going to be a game that tops that for me, because of sure. just uh, yeah, just an amazing game. Um, but this might be number two on my list, 2006 Rose Bowl. So it's kind of sad to see how far uh, those programs have fallen. Um, but you know, whatever it is, what it is, USC wins. They win by four. And Texas loses again. All right.
1: So that is our week three preview. Again, you can find us on iTunes. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, I think. We're all over the place. You can barely escape us. So on whatever platform you listen to us, please rate and review us. It really does help with our rankings.